Want my help getting a robotics automation or tech career at a Fortune 500 company or innovative startup so that you can finally level up your earnings, work on the coolest projects ever, and have practically unlimited earning potential for the rest of your career? Listen up. My robotics mentorship program is officially open. This is a 90-day career intensive where we get crystal clear on your dream robotics job, reinvent your professional brand, and fill in the technical gaps so that you can get a six-figure-plus career at the hottest companies on the planet. If you're interested, go to learnrobotics.org podcast to sign up. We'll text a bit to see if you're a fit and then get you registered if it makes sense. Again, go to learnrobotics.org podcast. Now on to today's episode. What's going on, guys? Liz here from Learn Robotics doing a different style of podcasting episode here on Learn Robotics with Liz. Going to keep it raw, not going to do too much editing, not going to do too much craziness. Just wanted to come on here and chat with you about technical resumes and portfolios and give you a couple of my thoughts on if you're looking to get into technology or you want to get a promotion or you want to um, be part of this field in engineering or, you know, just switch careers, how you can kind of go about doing that and what has worked for me um, going through the process of landing the first jobs that I've had, you know, corporate engineering, and then even just getting like offers from startups and kind of the nuances between those two and a few tools that I've found that have helped uh, along the way because, the fact of the matter is, is like resumes can be so um, different depending on who you're who you're trying to impress, right? So if you're going to go to a um, you know corporate America, a big company, and give your resume to that hiring manager, they may want to see it presented in a different way than maybe somebody at an innovative startup. And so I wanted to just kind of share my thoughts on the job hunting process from a technical standpoint. And then if I were a hiring manager, because a lot of times the you have to get past the initial checks right through HR, through the initial application. But then once you get through those checks, your resume and your profile and your folder is going to get passed on to the hiring manager, which a lot of times in engineering is the actual manager that you would be reporting to. So if if they don't like you, right, then you're not going to get the job. But if they like you, if you can have that kind of rapport with them and get them um, kind of a a broad overview of who you are, either as a critical thinker or as an engineer and the types of projects and experiences that you've had, and you're good at communicating that, a lot of times that's all you need to get through. And of course, having a resume and having... Um, you know, good communication skills are very important in the beginning because a lot of times computers are used to sift through resumes just to get a bunch of keywords. And then based on the keywords that you have, you may or may not get moved to the next uh, step in the process. So I just wanted to share kind of my thoughts on how you can kind of go about that. So if you're interested in career growth, specifically for engineering or for technology or potentially getting a promotion, switching jobs. This is the episode you're going to want to listen to. And I didn't record video with this, so this is just going to be a great 
monologue, keeping it raw, trying to have more of a conversation with you versus a fully glamorous edited podcast. So let me know what you think about this. I know it's a little bit different than the previous episodes, but I wanted to try something new and see if this was this would be a little bit more helpful, more like a conversation that you can use to help you boost your career. So this is what's worked for me. So in in college, I was studying robotics engineering. So if you know my story, I've, I've spoken about that in previous episodes. Um, but my freshman year of college, I went to a job fair. And this was, you know, a traditional job fair where, uh, you know, different companies would set up a table and you would get all dressed up and then you would walk around and you would try to connect with different industry leaders and different hiring managers and try to get either internships or co-ops or full-time jobs, depending on what you're looking for. And I was looking for a summer internship. This was probably like winter of my freshman year. And I was studying robotics. And at the time, robotics was still very new. Um, a A lot of the hiring managers and stuff were looking very specifically for, you know, software engineers, hardware engineers, so electrical engineers or mechanical engineers, and having, you know, studied robotics engineering and introducing myself as somebody that had a, that was working towards a degree in robotics engineering was a little bit confusing. So it was all about trying to get the right wording and communicate the right skills that robotics has to offer. So if you're in that situation too, and you're finding it challenging to communicate all the different skills that you have, even if you know, like, yeah, I can look at some software and yeah, I can debug some hardware systems and yeah, I can do all of these things, but you may not necessarily have that exact degree that they're looking for. Um, Something that I've used to kind of overcome that is to talk about like the different skills themselves and kind of pull them out of the degree. So for example, um, with robotics, I would focus on, well, don't you want somebody who can take different sets of skills, right? So they can take the coding skills, they can take the hardware skills, they understand how to read documentation, they understand how different systems work together, and they can think about the integration component. So they kind of have a higher level, like holistic understanding of what is going on in a technical system, which I think is super valuable. And a lot of times when you present it like that, hiring managers have an appreciation for that, or they can connect you with the group that deals with system work. So if they're specifically writing code, they may know like a coding test group that takes that code and can work with hardware. And so a lot of times it's just a matter of rewording or readjusting how you present yourself. So instead of saying like, hi, I'm Liz, I'm looking for a summer internship, I'm a robotics engineer, I may just ask like, hi, like, do you have any um, internships that revolve around systems or integration or what types of projects I would I would almost instead of just coming out and introducing myself full on I would almost try to figure out like what are the types of projects that you're working on what what are the types of challenges that you're facing or what are you looking for in a person in this role more specifically is it a full-time role is it a part-time role is it an internship and then based on those types of answers if you're interested in the role you can kind of pursue the skills and the things that you have to kind of back up what they're looking for because they've told you what they're looking for. And if it's not interesting to you, you can just kind of move on. So I did that quite a bit in the freshman 
career fair that I went to. And I had a lot of companies that I spoke with that just weren't familiar with robotics. And I would chat with them and I would kind of try to figure out um, this kind of process just by trial and error because I was introducing myself to so many people and the whole robotics thing wasn't really sticking. And I feel like probably today you'll have less of that issue. Uh, but because there are so many subsets within robotics and so many innovations that are going on in the field, it could happen. You know, like if we have somebody that's like very specialized in, let's say, artificial intelligence, um, maybe people aren't, maybe hiring managers at larger companies, maybe they're just not familiar with what that means. So if you can speak their language by communicating different sub skills of the field that you work in or the projects you want to work on, you may actually be speaking the same language in a different way. And so as I was going through this career fair, I didn't end up getting anything particular. Nothing was really of, of interest because I hadn't quite figured out how I was going to communicate what I was looking for. Um, and so I, nothing really came out of that career fair, but I will say you have to do your numbers. It's volume and maybe, maybe a little less today because the job market is really in the employee's favor. So right now there, there are so many companies that are looking for talented people to come and work at their companies. And so if you're a talented person and you have a lot of skills and you have a lot of background and you can communicate it effectively, I think today it's a little bit easier to get those jobs and be very competitive. Whereas, you know, 10 years ago, you kind of had to, you know, be a little bit special. You know, you kind of had to differentiate yourself in the marketplace from, you know, landing that job because there weren't as many jobs available. So one thing to note is if you are job hunting right now in a technical space, you really do have a lot of things on your side. You know, and especially if you know your stuff and you know what you're doing and you have the projects to back it up and you're enthusiastic and you can communicate it well, that alone will set you apart. It's just a matter of how you present it and what you're interested in and making sure that what the company is looking for, your vision and their vision kind of aligns because there's nothing worse than taking a job that you don't, you find out you don't actually want, you know, because it either wasn't fully communicated or you thought it was one thing and then it ended up being something else. So what I ended up doing um, for my freshman year was I ended up getting into a research program. So I was part of an NSF grant at UPenn and they had this whole robotics research program for undergrad students. And so instead of going into corporate America and trying to fight a system that didn't really fully understand what robotics was, even though it was very similar classes, you know, mechanical engineering, electrical engineering, and computer science, I just decided to go, you know what, let's find a role where people understand what robotics is and they value the robotics industry. And so at the time, research made a lot of sense. And I was already doing extensive amount of robotics projects in the degree that I was in. So I went through that process and, you, you know, you need the resume, you need the cover letter, you need the references. It takes, you know, a lot of effort. It isn't just like, I'm going to show up and get this job. So I totally get that. So that was what I did my freshman year. Um, so you can go to career fairs or you can try to find alternative programs that might make more sense for the type of projects or degrees that you have. The second year, my sophomore year, I ended up doing some teaching. So I switched gears 
and I ended up being a teacher at MIT for some summer programs for robotics. And that was kind of interesting because I, I got to basically play with robots all day and help other people, you know, improve their robotic skills, which I think set a really nice foundation for what is now Learn Robotics and the type of work that I do with, with students today. So that kind of gave me some experiences, you know, managing managing a group of people, leading a group of people, but then also making sure that they are on track with what they need to know how to do. And I think a lot of times people underestimate what teaching can do for people. But I think like if you're able to teach something to somebody else and then they're able to go and do it, uh, that means you're an effective leader, right? Like you're able to impact somebody else's life, give them the skills that they need and the tools that they need to move on. So whether you want to be a teacher formally or an educator formally yourself or not, if you want to work in a company and eventually become management track or leadership track, you're going to need those types of skills where you can wrangle a group together and get them to stay on track, get them to be focused and actually have them perform, right? Because at the end of the day, you want either your classroom or you want your team or you want your company to be, you know, doing better than maybe you were doing last week. So that's what I ended up doing my sophomore year. My junior year, I had kind of enough credits to graduate early. So instead of spending money on tuition and staying in school, I opted to do a co-op, which was like a school the school kind of helped me set it up, but at the end of the day, I wasn't getting college credit. I was getting paid directly by the company. So I worked an eight-month co-op at Pratt & Whitney, and it was an awesome experience of just learning how to you know, be an employee, like what it would be like after school, like a taste of what is it like to go to work every day versus what is it like to go to school every day? Because I think a lot of times people are surprised, at least I was initially surprised in this co-op, that when you graduate school or when you're not in school, um, like the world goes on. You know, school is like its own world and the industry is like a whole nother world with a whole other sets of priorities. There's time, there's money, there's a lot of groups that you have to work work in and work with and connect with. And a lot of times you don't even know who's running the groups, especially in a large company like Pratt & Whitney. You have to kind of network and find somebody to help you kind of pull you along and show you what you need to do. The documentation on how to do your job isn't necessarily spelled out. But let me kind of overview what I did to get a role like that, because you might be still in school if you're listening to this, and maybe you want to do a co-op, or maybe you want to you know, do a longer internship. And this was kind of my process. I went into those career fairs. They had them annually. So I went to that career fair with the sole intention of finding companies that wanted to do a co-op. And then based on, based on that experience, uh, this was my junior year, I was using a lot of the projects that I had done my freshman year, my sophomore year, and then currently um, as a junior. So this was, I think, was in the fall, and I wanted to start like in January. I wanted to start this co-op in January. So what I did was I tried to have as many conversations at that career fair as possible, trying to connect again with hiring managers who were doing something similar in their projects or in their work 
to the projects and work that I was already doing in school. And so then we, I, I managed to connect with a hiring manager and he was just super enthusiastic. A lot of the work that they were doing from a systems and testing standpoint um, matched with what I was doing in my studies. And I had a lot of experience behind it. And again, it all comes back to communicating it well. Um, so when you get into a conversation with a hiring manager, whether it's on the phone or it's in person or at a career fair or wherever, you can kind of tell if the conversation is going well. You know, if it's lasting, you know, five, six, eight, ten minutes long, you know, and you're having a good conversation and you're genuinely interested in what they have to say and they seem genuinely interested in what you have to say, there's a good chance that they're going to follow that up with another interview. And that's pretty much what happened. So I got another interview with them and then I was able to um, kind of negotiate my quote unquote salary, even though it was a co-op, I wasn't necessarily a full-time employee, even though I was there as a full-time employee, but I was, you know, they knew that I was only going to be there for eight months because I had to go back and finish my degree. So long story short, um, what I would recommend for that is to have, be prepared with, you know, five minutes of things you can talk about you know, whether it's projects and be able to explain it from a technical standpoint, not just like I did this, you know, whatever project I made this widget or I was on this team, like you've got to be able to go into technical detail on what you've built and be able to communicate, you know, the buzzwords, the most important things of those projects using technical words so that they know that you know some things, right? And then they have some questions that they can ask you about it. And that's kind of how the conversation will grow. So that would be my recommendation. If you're looking to land either a job or a co-op or an internship, really any, any sort of role, you're going to need to have kind of in your mind a game plan of what you need to talk about and how you're going to communicate that and try to get a longer, uh, a longer conversation, whether that's, you know, a five minute conversation or a 10 minute conversation. And the goal of that conversation is to get an interview. And, and of course, in the career, career fair environment, they're probably going to want your resume as well. But a lot of times, um, the conversation can really help, regardless of what your resume looks like. The final year, um, so I, went, I finished the co-op, went back to school, finished up the classes I needed to complete my degree. And then I graduated, and I decided to go for the leadership program. At the time, it was through United Technologies, but they changed their name like every other week. So this would be the current day Raytheon. I don't know if Raytheon has their own program or if the leadership program that I was in still exists. Um, they may have renamed it. But a lot of times, and if you're not familiar with leadership programs, they are at a very high level. I know every company has their own way of doing it. At a very high level, what they do is they have you, it's a rotational program. So they have you go into various sectors of their business. And these are large businesses, right? So these are, you know, the United Technologies, the Raytheons, you know, probably like Lockheed Martins, the, the large engineer engineering companies will have these programs where you would go for, you know, six to eight months on an assignment, and they would tell you kind of what role you're going to be in with the intent of you gaining skills in very specific areas. So for leadership, it was supply chain, quality, and manufacturing. Those were the areas that we had 
assignments in, and the roles were based anywhere in the United States. So we would move around every eight months or every six months or however long the, pr the program was or the assignment was. And the intent was to learn more about how that particular business unit or part of the company would operate and then build your network of various professionals that you could reach out to um, after the program. So the program that I was in was two years and I was based, all my rotations were I would say basically coast to coast. So I, my first rotation was in Phoenix and then I got transferred back to Connecticut and then I went up to Indianapolis and then I left the program and I was based in Georgia. So I kind of got a, a whole tour of the US and these moves are kind of fast, but I would say if you're looking for an adventure and I'm not sure if, if they're even doing these moves and stuff like anymore, but when I was in it, if you're looking for a way to travel a bunch, get to see a bunch of different areas, live in a bunch of different areas, try to figure out what you want or where you want to be in life, rotational programs can offer a lot of that. Because if you try something, even if you're there for six to eight months or however long, nine months, 10 months, even if you're there um, and you don't like it, you have the opportunity to leave but you're also networking at the same time and you're you're building up your professional network of a lot of people. And the program that I was in had many classes before me. So I had a lot of people that were just legacy people from the program that were now, you know, in the C-suite, they were, you know, junior directors, junior vice presidents, you know, like a lot high up people um, from this program that I could reach out to. And so kind of the intent of this program is to not only like develop yourself personally and figure out what you want out of your career and out of your life and allow you to travel a little bit and move into different places and have that experience of even moving and moving itself is not easy. Um, but you kind of learn like how much you can tolerate as a person, both professionally and personally. And it's, in my opinion, it was an awesome way to grow. So if I had the opportunity to look back and like make that decision again, I would 100% make that decision. I think it was the, one of the best things I could have done in my career. So the, the rotational program itself, the, when I went through it, it was kind of like a gated enrollment and you'd have to go through like so many different interviews and presentations. They had us doing projects. They had us doing um, PowerPoints and we had to come in and we were basically kind of pitted against other candidates in the, pro in the program that were like, basically they had like 30 spots open and they'd have like hundreds of people applying to get into these spots. So it was very competitive. I don't know how it is today, but I'll just speak from my experience. Um, if you were thinking, and, and I was in this situation too, if you were thinking about doing any other type of career or pursuing any sort of other um, jobs that required you to do projects, which as a technical person, a lot of companies will make you do like a, like a project before they'll hire you because they want to see like what you can do. And the, when you have a lot of different of these projects and a lot of different companies you're pursuing, you kind of have to pick and choose what you want to do because it's nearly impossible to do an engineering project for all these companies and be a student. So I ended up picking the projects for this rotational program and going through. And I just remember being in the meetings with all of the candidates and going and getting put into different groups 
and doing the presentations and I'm just sitting there like I'm like I'm in engineering like this is a business program so I'm I'm just sitting there like with all these folks that have MBAs and they're finishing up like um, you know their current corporate job you know they they've been in industry for a long time I mean there were some engineers in this program but the intent was really like this program is designed to build the next generation of leaders and you know, a lot of folks going into that, they're the, you know, the classic business school, the MBA, and now they want to be, you know, a general manager of a plant, you know, like that is their ultimate career. And I didn't even know what that was. So I would encourage you if you are looking for an opportunity to climb a corporate ladder to learn a little bit more about what that actually means and how you would actually go about that, because it, it there is a process and there is you know, there are some steps that you can take to kind of expedite that. And this program is one of them. So a lot of the folks that are in this program go on to, you know, they, they start managing different cells and manufacturing, and then they become like the GM, and then they become like a VP. And, you know, they go on to do some really awesome things within the company, because they're kind of set on that track. And so for me, like going into that as somebody with an engineering background, you have to be cognizant of what kind of career you want. Do you want to be an expert, you know, like the person that everyone goes to about all the technical knowledge about the product? And when I was working at United Technologies, it was all like aerospace. Did you want to be the person that knew everything about this engine and like this particular feature, or this particular function of this you know, pin, you know, like, did you want to be the person that was managing that and be the expert, be that subject matter expert that everyone would go to? Or do you want to, you know, kind of go more of the management leadership track where you have a team of people that you're managing and you eventually want to be a GM and you eventually want to be, you know, a director or, you know, part of the C-suite. So there's a lot of different paths you can take and you kind of have to figure out which one you want because it's tough to be both. Um, I don't know too, too many people that are subject matter expertise people, and then they now are like running the facility. There's maybe one person I can think of, but it's, it's very rare. And so what I would kind of, an activity that I would kind of do is to kind of figure out what do you want to do? Do you want to get that technical aptitude? Do you want to be that leader in technology or do you want to be that leader in business? And I think from a financial standpoint, um, the, the business path is going to always lead to more money and that's just how it is. But from a technical standpoint, if you're, if you're the kind of person that gets a lot of satisfaction from knowing your stuff and being that technical resource, then you're going to want to go like that route. You know, you're going to want to find more technically challenging, uh, projects and things like that to be part of. So long story short, a lot of interviews in the rotational program option ended up getting through all of them. And I remember sitting into a meeting, the, the very last interviewing meeting, and the only, re the only real reason, there's probably a lot of them, but I think one of the biggest differentiators between me getting that role and me not, because I left, I left there being like, oh no, the, there's no way I'm getting into this because everybody here is a business major. Um, but the, the real reason is knowing your environment. So when I went into that final meeting, I had already finished, you know, a nine month, uh, eight month co-op at Pratt & Whitney, which is one of their companies. 
So I already had a network, a small network of people at Pratt & Whitney that could kind of verify the work that I was doing, you know, and give me some credibility. But I also walked into that meeting with the, the final two hiring folks in, you know, in the HR and I had a Pratt & Whitney like notebook with me. Like I had the logo, I had the, I had every, and I didn't, I didn't even do this intentionally, but this kind of leads me to like a bonus tip, like know your environment. If you can walk into an environment, like you're never going to go to a Red Sox game wearing a Yankees outfit unless they're playing the Yankees, right? So like you have to know your environment in job hunting and in technical careers. People want to see that like you resonate with with their brand, right? Like that you would fit in with their culture. And so by me walking into that last meeting with the Pratt and Whitney notebook, just sitting right there, ready to take notes, like they could see that I like had that, you know, like they could see that I was interested in their company or I appreciated, you know, the freebie notebook that I, I don't even know where I got it. You know, like I had it with me available to take some notes and just write some stuff down. And I think, little details like that and having those little details can make all the difference when you're standing out. So that's kind of my whole like career, mini career journey of like going from college into the workforce. I want to share with you quickly before I, I sign off. I know this has been a kind of a long commentary, but there is a tool that I've been using over the last couple of years to, to develop a resume and it uses artificial intelligence to kind of compare what you've put in your resume to what is most likely accepted by some of these resume scanning tools. And it's called Resi. And again, like I said, they use uh, keyword targeting and they use artificial intelligence and they get, hey, have a ton of templates. They have, um, you know, templates for technical careers, general templates for students. I've used it and it's helped me get a couple of different roles when I was starting out. And so you can you can check it out. I did leave a link in the show notes if you're interested in reading more about it. But if you need a resume and you're not really sure what kind of template to use or how to set it up, this is just like a wizard. You fill out a form. Once you have an account, you fill out a form and it'll generate your resume and it'll score it. And it'll tell you like the likelihood of it getting past a lot of those resume scanners, which I think is super cool. And it uses artificial intelligence, which I think is also really cool. So if you're interested in that, take a look in the show notes. If you have any questions at all, or you'd like to chat with me, find me on learnrobotics.org contact or leave a comment. That's it for today's episode. I hope you liked it. Let me know what you think, and I'll see you soon.